Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a guest in the studio today. Woot woot. What's up? Woot woot. <laughs> woot woot. Uh, and Emery, since uh, he has more friends than I do, and usually the, our guests are his acquaintances, uh, he's going to introduce our guests. <laughs> yeah, uh, so our very special guest is my friend uh, Dennis O'Neill. And I have known Dennis since uh, University of Louisville days. We were on the college newspaper together. And we've been friends since then. And that was probably like 2007, 2008. Yeah, so it's been seven. Seven, several years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, one of his groomsmen in his wedding recently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've just stayed good buds since. When I moved down to Memphis, him and another friend would come and visit me. And yeah, and Dennis uh, lives here in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And he's married to Stacy, and she's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. So when she hears this, she's like, I like that Emory guy. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's got some good opinions. He's got, he's got some good takes on things. Well, I had just learned in our sound check that Dennis is actually a crooner. He was singing us a little. Heck yeah, I am. A little diddly. You want to give us a little? Strangers in the night. Up to the moment when we said our first hello. Little did we know. Love was just a glance away. A warm embracing dance away. And uh, take it, Emo. Yeah, that was good. Uh, <laughs> I loved it because he was making eye contact with Emo the whole time. It was so romantic. Yeah, I was just looking over, just like, all right, when is he going to stop making eye contact with me? His eyes glued to mine. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Yes, thank thank you, you for having me. We've actually never had anyone sing on the show before, so this was nice. Breaking down barriers left and right. Yeah. I feel like I've I've <laughs> sung before, jokingly. Yeah, you might have done a little sing song before. Yeah. Not like really belting it out like I do at a karaoke night, but mm-hmm. yeah. And Lizzie is known for her karaoke. Yeah, you're a karaokeer. I've picked up on that in the the episodes that I've listened to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, my big hit is Cheryl Crow. If it makes you happy, mm-hmm. she's right in my that. vocal register. I I only sound good when I'm singing like a high register, and I'm really right now I'm working on Celine Dion. Which one? Um, it's all coming back to me now. Nice. Yeah, it's a solid I have everything hit. except the baby. The the when she hits the baby baby. <laughs> I thought you mentioned you just you just don't have a baby. <laughs> I also don't have a baby. Don't have a baby like Selena has babies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's a little out of my range. But the rest of the song rocks so hard, and it's really having like sure a does. moment. If I can hit that note, I will reach yeah. my e- karaoke glory. Emo and I have a fun uh, fun karaoke story from Memphis. Where uh, do you remember singing "I'll Make Love to You" by Boys to Men? Yeah, I do. Remember that experience? <laughs> yeah, I remember getting Were you guys stage. looking into remember each other's eyes? Remember how I looked at you too. the entire time, just yeah. like I just did? Uh, yeah. Was yeah. Like, <laughs> it's okay. You can talk about how connected you felt to me. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were at some bar club in Memphis and sang I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. And I remember I had just started dating someone at the time, too, and she was just, she loved it. So I was like, really? How can you not? I really was checking off those boxes. I don't know what boxes I'm talking about, but I was checking off something. There are boxes. There are theoretical boxes. They're out there. <laughs> one of the most like i think like attractive songs a guy can sing in karaoke which i never see happen is um uh the whole wide world it's by who is that uh who's the artist's name he has some really wacky name like 
uh, Wild Craig or something. <laughs> That's not it. That's what they call me on the weekends. Wild Craig. Uh, no, Reckless Eric. No, no, no. It was Wild Dan. It's, it's Reckless Eric. But Will Ferrell sings it in Stranger Than Fiction. One of the movies that Will Ferrell, I think, is actually hot in. Because it's all about, like, the writing. If they make him just, like, serious enough. Mm-hmm. And he, like, plays guitar and sings it. Um, I know what you're talking Yeah, And yeah, that's right. he gets gets it on with Maggie Gyllenhaal yeah. afterwards. It's the one song he learns on guitar. And yeah. It's just kind of a lot of strumming, a lot of down. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very good. romantic song and that more um, single men should sing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know that movie? I don't know that movie. Okay. Well, moving on then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, okay. So should we start with how are you for real? We got to do business. Oh, business. I've, I'm rusty. I forgot. Yeah. Y'all wouldn't shut up so I can get to the business. <laughs> the movies I haven't seen. <laughs> Okay, so you're listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on 106.5 Forward Radio. You can listen to us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services, CastBox, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Apple Music. You can also find us on social media platforms. Two Nuts in a Pod is on Instagram. It's just the number two, Two Nuts in a Pod, because everyone's so cool on Instagram. But on Facebook, the more professional social media platform, it is Two Nuts in a Pod with two spelled out T-W-O. You can also email us anytime, day or night, 24-7, 365 at Two Nuts in a Podcast at gmail.com. One of our 900 interns will answer within one to three years. One day to three years, you'll get an answer. Yeah. Did you give him the day off? Yeah, so Dennis came in the studio and he was like, hey, where are the interns? And yeah. they are uh, they work in the basement of okay. this building. So we're in the Hayburn building in beautiful downtown Louisville on the 8th floor. But all the interns are down there clicking and clacking away on the keyboards in the basement. Do they live down there too or do they just work down there? Yeah, it's like a whole program and it stuff. It's, okay. it's a lot to explain. It's so kind of communal experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on to how are you for real? So this is our like full disclosure, talk about our feelings kind of moment in the show. And uh, it's kind of our way of like getting past the social niceties of just like saying you're fine or whatever. Like we really actually want to know how you're doing. And if you ask us in real life, like Emo and I will both tell you how we're doing. And you might not like it might be yeah. messy it might uh might take away from the, the cocktail party but sorry that's what you're getting yeah that's what you get sorry this is what you signed up for when you asked me that stupid question how are you i'm yep. gonna tell you exactly how i am and you're gonna be miserable after you hear it yep. <laughs> congratulations like, here's the truth you're gonna be like wait now i have depression <laughs> It's it's catching. <laughs> it's, it does get catches off. Well, I'm gonna give it to somebody else now. <laughs> uh, so, Emory, let's start with you. How are you for real? Uh, I would say I feel a little relief. Um, and I told Lizzie and Dennis about it before. Uh, dealt with some issues with my cat Floyd, who we've mentioned on the show. He's a fan of the show. He's never been a guest on the show, but he's a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. I uh, took Floyd to the vet earlier this week and because something just seemed kind of off and he they did lab work and called me back the next day and was like hey like he needs to go to the hospital and we you know they basically gave me three choices like hey you can either go to the hospital it's just obviously going to be expensive 
we can do outpatient treatment, but we don't know how effective that's going to be, or euthanize. And to, so everyone knows Floyd is just two years old. So, like, all this stuff is just, like, kind of blowing my mind. I'm very confused by it. But they showed that his kidney value levels were really high. And, you know, I think they're supposed to be, like, at a 2, and they were, like, at a 12. And then further discussion happened where they basically showed uh, that his kidneys, for he's a 2-year-old cat, his kidneys were that of a, of a 12-year-old cat. Um, so he just has failing kidneys. And I had to take him to the hospital, and he spent two nights in the hospital, and that was just super stressful. And I just was like, this is awful. Like, I couldn't focus on work. Couldn't focus on having good conversations, constructive conversations with people. I realized how important Floyd is in my life and how much, you know, I love him and care about him and worry about him. And, you know, just having him not at the house was really painful. And and one morning I woke up super early at 3 a.m. and was basically, like, preparing myself to be like, I might have to say goodbye. Because I'd gotten a call the next day from the hospital, like, his levels have increased, his red blood cell count is lowered his kidney value levels are increasing so like both are not good news and it's like you know i had to mentally emotionally prepare myself to let go and that was really hard (laughs) those were like from like 3 a.m to 8 a.m just like this is a nightmare and just kind of processing it through myself and you know i was making plans and everything like hey what am i going to do because i didn't want to be in this situation where it happens and just be like i don't know what to do like I wanted to be like prepared, so like have that stuff ready. But it's still at the same time you're just like crying because it's so sad because you're basically, you know, you'd be saying goodbye to a family member. And I told Brennan, my housemate, that uh, it was the first time when he was gone. It was the first time our house did not feel like a home. Like it just felt like a house, just some bricks and wood and you know all that stuff. Like it didn't feel like a home. Like it felt like something really important was missing. And because Floyd, you know, I moved, we moved in that house in late October, got adopted Floyd from the Kentucky Humane Society in mid-December. So, you know, a month and a half we were there without him. But every time else, like, he's always been there. And he's, like, really sweet, very affectionate, very playful. He's never bit anyone. He's never, he doesn't hiss. He doesn't scratch. He's never had an accident. He's never thrown up anywhere. Like, it's like, He's weirdly perfect <laughs> and just very cute, too. Um, so, yeah, it was just really hard to deal with. And I felt some relief because the vet called and was like, hey, like, his his kidney level values went down a little bit. But, like, they're still really high, um, low red blood cell count. But I, I suggest just taking him home. And he, he suggested not euthanizing him and just, like, having him home and, like, making sure he's getting lots of fluids, making sure he's eating right, making, just monitoring him. But he was diagnosed with um, chronic kidney disease. Um, so chronic kidney disease, they're like, you know, they're used to it with older cats. But with younger cats, it's not very common. And they were just saying, that like, hey, it could be, you know, a few months by 4th of July, Christmas, or it could be a couple of years. But he will have a significantly shorter lifespan than a traditional cat. And that was, you know, that's really hard to hear. But I was also just like, I'm just so glad to take him home. Like... I will make sure that, like, we, he gets a lot of attention, a lot of love. I mean, we already do, but, like, you know, it just, like, puts into perspective, like, hey, we don't know how much more time we have with him. And he seems fine, because when you see him, he's attentive, alert, he's loving. Um, he's just a little more tired and doesn't play as much. But he's eating and drinking, going to the bathroom and everything. But, yeah, that was, it's really just like, hey, like, you get him back home, but, like, how much longer do you have? 
and that's tough. Um, and I was like, <laughs> it's like the most I've cried in my life, maybe. <laughs> and I've had pets as a kid, but it's different because this was the first pet I adopted as an adult. Mm-hmm. And like, just like felt such a bond with him from the beginning. And it just, yeah, it was like, and I've, I have mentally and emotionally prepared for the two most painful deaths in my life, which is my mom and dad. And like, I've, I've gone through the years of preparing for that and they're older. They're both in their seventies. But, like, I hadn't prepared for this. Like, I was just like, oh. Like, this was just, like, a huge punch in the gut where you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, and I don't know how to process this or feel. Like, I'm just like, this sucks and everything sucks. Because, you know, like, it affects your work and everything else. And I was like, I don't care about anything else right now. I only care about him. And so, yeah, I do feel relief that he's back home and he's comfortable and he's, you know, sleeping on the bed and stuff and hanging out. But it's just like, whew. Man, you just, you know, and you feel so bad for him because, like, this has got to be scary for him and painful. And, you know, you just want him to be happy and live a good life. But it's just, like, and you know, your furry friends, like, <laughs> I think when people think, like, it's just a pet or it's just a cat or just a dog, like, that's wrong. Like, I, I really, and I sometimes used to think like that, like, no, oh, it's just a pet. But, like, now I'm like, no, this is, like, a member of my family. And... Mm. Like, him struggling or passing means I'm going to struggle. Like, it's it's going to affect me. And it did definitely this weekend. So I've, I think I'm also just exhausted. Like, that was, this has been a lot. Like, I just, my mental capacity is not there for, like, <laughs> I remember going to the hospital and she was asking me questions. I was like, listen, I was like, I can barely remember. Like, if you ask me my middle names, I'd be like, I don't know. I have two middle names, by the way. <laughs> but if you ask me my middle names, I'd be like, I don't know. My name's Emery. <laughs> like, I, like, would struggle to answer any question because, like, my mind is just, like, not thinking straight at all. It's just very much in, like, how is Floyd going to be okay? Is Floyd going to be okay? Like, all that stuff. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's really hard and just, you know, and the few times that I've been sad since I've had Floyd, which has been a little over a year, like, it's like they know your energy and like he just would immediately gravitate towards me. Like I remember there was one time in like July and I was like super sad about something and I just sat on the couch and was all mopey and like he just came up and was like extra affectionate and like you know pressing up against me a lot. It was just like man like you know they just like love you so much mm-hmm. and like you are so important in their life and like yeah, they can sense it too. Yeah, and they, they can, can sense that like them. that they're they're family member is struggling and they want to help and it's just like man like there's nothing to me more deep and powerful than the unconditional love of like a pet with its owner or family member like it just is extremely powerful and i just i had not experienced like that and i you know i don't have kids of my own and like this is basically like my kid like Mm -hmm. that's how i feel about it so Mm -hmm. it's uh and at the same time like emory like it's just a cat and they're like no emory like it's not just a cat like this is this is floyd you're you're like son basically and uh yeah so it's been it's been tough but there's a little bit of relief lots of exhaustion and just wanting to like you know provide as much as i can for him and make his life happy and safe and comfortable for as long as we can and then Lizzie and I talked before about this, like, you know, I've done a lot of the processing, all the grieving, the grief has occurred. So, like, it does prepare me a little bit more for, like, hey, like, when you need to let go, like, and it's time because I don't want him to suffer. And that's just, you know, because Dennis and I talked about this, too. Like, cats are so stoic. Like, 
you know, might never know if the cat's like in pain, like, because we didn't really know. We were just like, he looks different. And I had dealt with COVID and so had Brennan. So both of us had dealt with that. So it was just like, oh, like he's losing a little bit of weight because he's stressed out because, you know, the routine of the house has changed. But it was like, no, no, it's something much more. And now we know it's chronic kidney disease and that's really scary. And but we're going to do as much as we can with what we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so sorry you're going through that, man. It's really, it's just really, uh, really hard to have anything like that have to happen so yeah and sometimes i think i like animals more than humans yeah i definitely um, do. you know they because they can't talk mm-hmm. like there's something like really nice about that like nonverbal connection with a being and there's something like that just seems morally pure about them even though cats are like total serial killers <laughs> <laughs> tons yeah, of are. small animals but i still i don't know i see cats and dogs and like you know any pets like they just have this like purity uh that humans don't have and i i think that you know they're always kind of our babies so sometimes i have to remind myself because that made grief Uh, i lost two cats um over you know the past two years to cancer and that's one thing i had to keep reminding myself is like they're not babies you know they are adults they are autonomous beings i'm responsible for them but they do not belong to me anyway that's that's my two cents mm-hmm. i think animals are better than humans <laughs> so lizzie how are you for real i am good uh so i actually like broke one of those mental health rules today and i played on my phone for like an hour and a half when i woke up before i even got out of bed but it actually put me in a really good mood uh, like I was watching, uh, just like I have cultivated a really good TikTok with that's just like all this great like mental health content and like body acceptance and social justice stuff and anti-capitalist stuff and all the stuff my little like socialist heart loves. And uh, so I was watching that, and then I like got on. I haven't gone on Facebook in forever, but I got on Facebook and was kind of like trying to catch up on people's lives and. Um, this might sound like narcissistic, like navel gazing and it very well might be, but I like looked at my own like wall, like my own page for a while. And it was just like going through like memories Yeah. way back to like when I posted in 2018 about like wanting to start a, a mental health oh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. And, uh, it was like this exercise of like. I don't know, just remembering all of, like, the good people in my life and uh, all of the things that I've I've done over the past few years. It's, it's like this, it just boosted my confidence first thing in the morning. I was like, and I, my confidence has been really low since going through, like, you know, the worst anxiety and depression of my life uh, during... Um, you know, 2020, 2021, and I'm coming out of it now. And so I'm rebuilding that confidence. And I think just looking at that, I was, you know, it gave me like a little boost and then it was like, okay. So I like woke up and was in a good mood and that doesn't happen often. And especially like the past few weeks, uh, 
I've been really like fatigued and I had a cold. So, um, which now I'm not sure if it was COVID or not. I mean, I tested mm-hmm. negative for COVID, but you know, tons of people have this story right now is it could have been COVID. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I've just been feeling really like fatigued. And so it was nice to have like, to be in a good mood. And then I had like this revelation today where I was like, okay, I finally feel good. So let me try to get things done. And then suddenly my head started to get crowded with this list of things I needed to get done. And I could feel it sucking the joy out of me. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, the, this is what I do. This is what I have been doing. I go through periods of like feeling not productive, um, whether it's from being sick or from my depression and anxiety, whatever it is. And then when I do finally have good days, I feel like I have to make up for all that lost time. And I feel like I have to just check things off the list. And then I burn myself out again. So today I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, I'm going to start with enjoying the fact that my brain is a happy place to be in right now because I don't get that every day and I deserve to enjoy that rather than just expend it on, you know, things that are quote unquote productive. But I also decided like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prioritize self care and like seeking out joy today. And, you know, maybe I'll get a couple of things done and that would be great. But I, I don't want to expend all this energy on productivity and, you know, productivity can make you feel good. I think it's good to mix in a little bit of that, of like f- that feeling of, Oh, I checked a couple things off the list, but, um, you know, today, like I did yoga and then I took the dog on a long walk and those things were both productive and like joyful for me and, yeah. uh, restorative. And I did a little bit of writing, so it was just, um, yeah, I I think that's something I'm going to try to focus on as I'm trying to, like, find balance right now. Uh, Because, like, seriously, I, and I think a lot of people are in the same place right now, is, like, I don't know if how I feel, it's like, do I have COVID uh, is this just my depression? Is this just the crushing weight of capitalism? Like what, what is causing me yeah. to feel this way? Or, you know, we live in Kentucky. Is this just allergies or is it COVID? It's like crazy making. Uh, so anyway, just like, I, I really want to try to put that part of me that wants to be productive, like, on the back burner a little bit because you know for me i'm also going off of benzo so that causes a lot of fatigue um and what's called anhedonia where i mean from benzo use you get this but it's just like a loss of pleasure in activities and so um you know for me for my mental health which is more important than producing like I really need to prioritize like self care and trying to seek out joyful activities again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and rest when I need to and, you know, try to obviously like, you know, I have a job, like I have to be of a certain level of productivity I have to meet, but I don't have to push myself so hard. Like, I I think that, you know, in American culture, we're just taught push yourself as hard as you can be as productive as you can. And, you know, that it doesn't have to be that way. Like we can have a more balanced view of what it means to be a good person who, you know, is mentally healthy and stable and has their life in balance. Like to me, that that's the priority. Yeah. It's so interesting because that, that feeling of just being comfortable in your joy, the, the fact that that's so, so fulfilling as it's happening, but there's still that impulse in you to kind of be like, no, I need to, I need to move from this. I need to get, and it's just kind of like, well, it's really nourishing to be able to just sort of say, I'm feeling good where I'm at. And there's really no need to, to break out of this or to, or to, to jettison this because it is, it, it is okay to just exist inside of, inside of that. But it's always, I don't know, it's just, I guess it's more of a, a, a thing to ponder, but just like, and it might be because we're part of that American mentality of, you know, I've hung out for like an hour you know, now I need to start getting stuff done. It's like, but. I've worked for five days, you know, worked 40 hours this week. Can I, can I have a day that's about self care or about, you know, the, the preservation of my own kind of, you know, sanity or health or, or whatever. It's just, uh, it's always kind of interesting to me that we just want to like, we want to immediately kind of say, you know, I'm feeling good. I better, you know, go mow the lawn or I better go, you know, take down the shutters or I better go to Lowe's or something like that. Nothing against Lowe's. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's just I don't know. It's 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 strange that we that we wind up in that place. Lowe's is actually one of our biggest sponsors here. Two nuts in a pot. I'm really, I'm really glad I took that swipe. We're always, we're always like naming Lowe's. Is that where the interns are? <laughs> yeah, they're at Lowe's right yeah. now picking up hardwood. They're just <laughs> buying siding. Uh, in reality, like my husband and I, we both neither of us are home fix it people. Like, usually we have to borrow tools from other people. Like, my brother-in-law is, like, if you watch Gilmore Girls, he's, like, our Luke Danes. It's, like, he fixes everything in our house for us. But, so I'm not that familiar with Lowe's. But, um... Neither am I. I feel like I'll probably have to be when I buy a house. <laughs> but that's not that's not something I'm itching for at the moment, so... Uh, so let's move on. So Dennis, how are you for real? Not bad. Um, I'm just kind of one of those people that generally has two or three things that are making them anxious at any given moment. Um, sure. <laughs> they could be they could be big life things, or they could just be. I'm almost out of sweetener for coffee at home. I've got that dentist appointment on Wednesday that I'm sort of worried about. You know, got that stuff for work that I've got to do this week. So I'm generally, kind of balancing a few things that could be sort of spinning me out, but, uh, on the whole, I'm okay. Um, as Emo said, I got married in December and, um, that's obviously going fantastic and very happy. I'm very much, very much glad to be uh, with my wife. Um, but I mean, you know, that first year of marriage, just, uh, start to be confronted with all of those kind of super adult things and concerns that were maybe a little bit more peripheral in the past and you know talking about like buying a house and uh how much do we need to have saved where are we going to live what are interest rates going to do you know just all of these kind of things that 
you know, frankly, I really have no experience with, but just kind of like they wind up bubbling up to the surface a little bit when you're, when you're first married and causing a little bit of anxiety. But, uh, you know, it's just like the, the last year, you know, we spent planning our wedding and I was just, uh, you know, as excited as I was, I was also really excited to not have to worry about it anymore and to just sort of be on the other side of it. Cause we planned it all ourselves and it was just, uh, you know, it was a whole thing. And, you know, I remember the day that we were going to the venue, just sort of being, you know, terrified that the, the liquor people weren't going to be there, or that the caterer wasn't going to show up or something like that. So that was not, that was not a fun thing to have to worry about. Um, so I was like, once I get on the other side of this, this will feel good. And then we did. And I'm just sort of like, okay, we're just on to the next stage. So it's just, it's just part of, uh, part of being married and adulting, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'm just with my wife. We're, we're really good at communicating with each other and kind of checking in and making sure that, uh, you know, we're giving each other what we need in terms of support. And also that we're kind of thinking in terms of, you know, what we want, like, and that we're aligned on that and that, you know, we're not rushing into anything and we're just kind of thinking very, uh, thinking very, you know, granularly about what we, uh, about what we want. And, um, also another layer of it is, uh, my wife's starting a a new position as a medical provider, a nurse practitioner, and, um, that's going to be a lot of night work. So that's kind of stressful just from the standpoint of, uh, there's the loneliness of, you know, I'm not going to be with you as much. And then there's the kind of the sadness of, I can't imagine how stressful that is to have that level of responsibility. So it's kind of balancing that, that thing of, um, you know, I'm really wanting to be supportive of you, but also kind of not trying to check out on myself and just realize like, it's okay if you're like having a bad day or it's okay if you, you know, if you're irritated about this or that you don't always have to run back to like well she's you know she's she's saving people's lives and i should you know just just not worry about you know anything that's going on with me it's just sort of like it's a it's a partnership and it it you know no matter what the circumstances the other person's existing in you know you have to be there for one another and you know just kind of making sure that you keep tabs on your own wellness as well as looking out for the wellness of your partner so just balancing those things right now Wow, that sounds like you guys are doing it right. One month in, and I, so I'm like uh, six years into marriage. Mm-hmm. I guess seven years this April. Congratulations! Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and we we just bought a house like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. That was super stressful, and uh, just want to yeah. yeah support you in that both wedding planning and buying a house and emo knows about the buying a house super mm-hmm. stressful well, wedding too i've been married for 20 years <laughs> got married when i was 15 you've kept it so quiet it's really yeah, amazing no, it's, we, we <laughs> i really real, like to let people into that we have a good relationship yeah, so, it's pretty yeah. good <laughs> but i'm starting to think the secret about adulting is that it's hard for everyone at every stage and that nobody ever feels like they're good at it right Right. I just keep reminding myself, like, people buy houses all the time. It's, you know, and it, it comes out okay, you know, and people that it's people that are that are far less organized and together than you have bought houses before and it's worked out fine. So don't worry about it. Um, and also you just have an endless amount of people that you can get advice from and lean on and talk to. And it's just it's not, you know, it may seem stressful in the very beginning, but as it as it goes along, 
probably find that it's a lot simpler than you're giving it credit for. So just trying to think in those terms. Like nobody, nobody knows what they're doing. I no. mean, I always think of the George Carlin quote, and he's like, think of how stupid the average person is and just know that half of them are stupider than that. Like, it's just like <laughs> nobody really knows what we're doing. Like, I remember looking over the housing contracts and stuff and just be like, what does any of this mean? Like, no. I just like padded the stack. I was like, I trust you. Like, yeah, I think this is good. Yeah. <laughs> this looks, uh, what is carry the four? Yeah, this looks right. But I really like what you talked about with uh, not minimizing your own stuff. Because, like, obviously, like, yes, the work Stacy's doing, especially, I mean, obviously during this time period, like, yeah. working anything in nursing or hospitals or medical field, like, is very stressful and intense and very important. But not minimizing that your own stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And not being like, well, she's doing way more important stuff. So, like, who cares about my my mm-hmm. stuff? Like, it's like, no, your stuff's very important, too. So Absolutely. It's, it's good that you're prioritizing that. Yeah. Well, it's just, and it that, that doesn't necessarily mean, like... I don't know. I I don't I don't think it necessarily means you have to, you know, be in your in your partner's face necessarily all the time with the, I think I think you have to read the room and I think you have to be like if she just came off of a 12 hour shift where, you know, two people died or something like that. Like, I'm obviously going to bear that in mind. But I mean, you know, if you're if you're having a bad day or if you're if you're in a mood or if you're not feeling great or if you're feeling anxious about something like you don't have to pretend to be you don't have to pretend that that's not going on you don't have to you don't have to kind of be so concerned about you know building up the other person's spirits because they've got to go in like you can still just be because real relationships are messy and the day-to-day of of people is messy and you just have to kind of accept that and you know it's like i just uh and have have empathy for that but also just kind of just kind of think in terms of well that's not going to do you that many favors in the long run if you're just kind of suppressing every every impulse that you have to kind of like try to talk things out or like hey i had a bad day do you mind you know can we like i just need to i just need to vent about it kind of thing like yeah. you know because you know that's what she that's what you know she can expect from me so you know yeah. cool well we should probably go to a break right now but we will be right back. Two Nights in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff, the stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nights in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts and a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 1065 WFMP LP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media, promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. All right, we are back uh, with Dennis O'Neill. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to call you Dennis O'Leary. <laughs> <laughs> there is a guy that I went to high school with who would call me Denny O'Leary. That was that. That is so funny that you said that. <laughs> Scott McDonald, wherever you are, I remember you. Uh, so Denny O'Leary. <laughs> so we're here with Dennis and uh, Dennis O'Leary. Uh, big O, big O in that last name. So this is the segment where we kind of dig into your brain a little bit. Right. Uh, but we like to start by just figuring out like what it is that made you feel feel willing to 
come on the radio and talk about your your stuff right on yeah now i was i was gonna i was gonna say this before we started and then emo very very savvily was just sort of like no 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 say it on here um <laughs> and uh yeah i just want to say uh you know ever since I, I found out he was doing this pod i was just like that's kind of the best work that you can be doing because um you know i'm going to touch on this a little bit in what i talk about but um you know, I was a kid, there's just not, not that much awareness or conversation around mental health, like not really that much talk about self-care and wellness and what you, what you should be doing to kind of tend to those areas. Um, so I just, I just think anything that you, that, that is out there as a tool to kind of make people feel not alone and make people and let people know that their, their issues are manageable and that there are people out there that are experiencing the same kinds of issues is just uh, really really valuable so uh, thanks to you all for having me and thanks to you all for doing this because um, it is a it is a great thing to be putting out there into the world um as far as like my i'll give you your check after this thanks man <laughs> remember remember to make that oh real big um but yeah just in terms of my my story um is i wasn't a guy that really um, kind of considered his mental health until he was like, I guess it's like 30, I guess when I was like 30, I'm 37 now. And, uh, yeah, just like I was kind of a combustible kid and was very, you know, I cried very easily. I got angry very easily. Um, also, you know, I'm the youngest child, so that has some, that has some associations with it as well. Um, and, uh, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 15. Um, and my mom, uh, had cancer from, uh, the time I was five, um, so it was with like kind of fleeting periods of remission, like my mom was pretty much sick for my entire childhood. So, um, there was probably a fair amount of like acting out that was going on in there as well that people, I don't think really like could put their finger on. Um, and I was talking about this a little bit earlier with you guys, but, uh, you know, not, not to say anything bad about my family or, or unkind about my family. They're lovely people and I, I love them to death, but, um, just like maybe is kind of what I'm talking about with, with mental health awareness or the conversation around it. It just didn't feel like there was very much that there was very much there in terms of how to deal with it. Um, it just kind of felt like the type of thing that you just wanted to, to get away from or to just sort of stamp out of yourself. Like it was sort of a, a sickness that you should take a pill for something like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't that thing of, you know, no, this is a, this is a day to day thing. Like this isn't going to go away. The issues that you struggle with are going to plague you. Um, and you're just going to, you know, it's, it's something you're going to have to build a, a process for, for dealing with, and you're going to have to take it one day at a time. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of that. And it honestly, like it feels, it makes me kind of sad to say it, but it kind of made me wish I was a different person. You know, it was one of those things where getting into my, getting into my teenage years, you know, it was just kind of, just didn't feel very comfortable and just would kind of, would kind of dread a lot of, uh, a lot of social encounters and interactions because of, you know, the reaction I was worried that people were going to have to me and stuff like that. So, um, I just didn't, I just didn't feel, feel particularly good about me. Um, so I got into college, uh, you know, I just would, I would really kind of withdraw and, you know, spending a lot of time by myself and, um, what, uh, ultimately kind of pulled me out of it, I think was, uh, when I got into journalism and, um, I started, I kind of discovered something that I really, really liked doing and was okay at. Um, and, uh, you know, had some, 
had some success with that and uh, also had some success in grad school, which we were talking about. Um, and, um, you know, wound up getting getting my first job at a, at a newspaper in uh, Western Kentucky and really, uh, really in, enjoyed that that process. It was a little bit strange, I think, that I moved away from my family, but it was kind of it was kind of good for me just to kind of get away and get a little distance, get a little perspective, um, kind of work on myself a little bit. I had a couple years there where I was in. I was, I was pretty unhealthy. I got pretty overweight and, um, this is where I kind of discovered exercise and kind of fitness and, you know, kind of started to understand how big of a, how big of a, an asset that is to, to mental health, just in terms of giving yourself something every day that you can do that's physical that, you know, once you're done with it, you feel like you've accomplished something. And, um, you know, the way that that kind of, the way that that kind of adds into to wellness, just the, the feeling good and the having energy and, um, everything like that. And then, um, you know, I, I did well with my job in, uh, in, uh, Western Kentucky and I, uh, um, you know, won some awards, I had some success and, uh, I got, uh, got a job back here in Louisville as an editor. Um, and I came back and, um, it was really, I guess it was like 2013, 2014 when I kind of started to, where I really started to struggle with anxiety. Um, some of that was because when I came into my job, you know, I didn't, you know, it was, a, it was, I was happy to have it, but I don't feel like it was totally fleshed out in terms of what I would be doing every day, um, and how much work would be necessary for me to fill my day. Um, so I got a lot of anxiety about that. And just, uh, also it was kind of a, a pretty entrenched group of people that I came in and worked with people who had been there for a long time and, um, kind of hard to, to break in with, um, kind of just felt like the new guy, felt like the outsider for a long time. So, um, there was a couple of years ago where I just kind of every day just woke up feeling very, very anxious and very, abilities. And, um, it really kind of culminated in, a um, a relationship that I had with a girl, uh, who lived a couple of hours away. And it was a, it was one of those things where it's just like, you're, you're madly in, in love, but it's in like the most inconvenient of circumstances where you're just sort of like, okay, I'm going to work all week. And then on Friday, I'm going to drive two hours and, you know, go hang out with this person who's also worked, you know, an entire week and, yeah. um, is going to have like their own, you know, feelings and their own moods and stuff like that. And if it, but I was just in that mental place or just if it's not just so then it just all kind of feels all kind of feels wrong and um just a lot of anxiety about that a lot of just kind of like you know because long distance relationships are really hard just in general but this one where it was kind of you know it was it, i think it was a little bit maybe a little bit one-sided maybe a little bit like i kind of felt a little more deeply than the other person did like that just engendered a whole lot of you know I, I texted you. Why didn't you text me back? And, you know, just like what's going on, you know, if there was a weekend we couldn't see each other or something like that. And long story short, it ultimately, you know, goes to, goes to say we, we did not last. Um, and then, um, I had a really, really hard time with it, like for about a month afterward. and was just like, didn't want to get up, didn't want to go to work. And, um, I eventually I kind of pulled myself out of that fog and was just sort of like, you know what? It's not, it's not that like you, you, you could use an assist. Like you could probably use something to help you help you get through some of this. So I got with my general practitioner and, and got on a, a prescription for Prozac, kind of a low dose daily dose. And, uh, really it just kind of like kind of gave me some clarity mentally. Like it just kind of made it easier to, negotiate with myself and kind of form some, some mental processes that would kind of help me overcome some of the things that I was, uh, that I was feeling. Um, and you know, just not to get it stuck cause I would just get stuck. And I still, I still have those periods where I, I spiral, but 
I just kind of have an easier time just putting one foot in front of the other and just kind of, you know, not pulling myself out of it necessarily because you can just sort of have a, a day where you just feel, feel ill at ease um, and just sort of generally off. And it's okay to just say like, I'm just, I'm just off. I'm just, I'm just not feeling great today. I'm just, you know, maybe, maybe I'll feel better tomorrow. I don't know. Or maybe give it a little bit of time. Maybe I'll feel better then. Um, but just not to be so, not, not to just think in, in kind of all or nothing terms about the way that you feel. Um, cause I think that was kind of how I felt when I was a kid was, uh, if I didn't, um, if I had a bad feeling or if I was uncomfortable or if I was embarrassed, um, I just wanted to immediately stamp it out of myself and just immediately kind of push it away and not have to, not have to feel it, not have to deal with it. Um, because it was kind of, I looked at it as something that was going to bring everybody else down or somebody was going to look at me and go like, Oh, you're crying again. Look at you. Or, Oh, you're mad again. Look at you. And, uh, now it's sort of that thing of, I just feel, I feel good about, um, the way that I, you know, just the feelings that I have and, and sometimes, sometimes even the discomfort because you just kind of realize there's, 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 there's nothing going on, but, but what's going on and what's going on is you just being you and it's okay. It's okay to just be that way. Yeah. I, I feel like there's this misconception that some people have about, um, psychiatric medication that it just is like a happy pill. Mm-hmm. that wipes out you know mm-hmm. your true self or your true feelings or your your yeah. artistic depth or something mm-hmm. and it's not at all you know it's i mean certainly if you're on the wrong pill or the wrong dosage you know you could have some bad effects from that but when it's working the way it's supposed to you know you still have your ups and downs and mm-hmm. you're still you and it just like you said, I mean, it, it helps you to not let your thoughts overwhelm you, mm-hmm. you know, it helps yeah. you to actually process them. Yeah. And I should say like, it, I was very lucky because the first thing that I started off on wound up being the thing that, that ultimately was good for me. Um, there can be a lot of, a lot of trial and error, a lot of, uh, um, a lot of, you know, uh, alleys that you go down that don't necessarily lead to the to the solution for you uh, from a medication standpoint and i've definitely uh had a lot of friends that have that have gone through that that process i was very lucky to just have it be the first thing um and i mean over the years like i've kind of like i've i've upped the 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 dosage a couple of times and um i got to a point of, i guess a probably about a year and a half ago where I was just going through sort of a, an anxious stretch. And, and my, now my wife, um, was just sort of like, well, maybe you should, you know, look at getting a, a, a higher dose. And, uh, I do remember stopping and thinking just kind of, I don't, I don't necessarily want that to be the solution. I, I, I need to see if there's a way that I can in myself, like kind of figure out a way figure out a way to sort of grow within these struggles in a way to sort of help myself, um, interrogate my own thought process about the things that I go through, um, and understand my own triggers, the, the thing. And and also if you know that there's a set of circumstances that are gonna, that are gonna bum you out or that are going to make you sad or that are going to be difficult, just it's possible to kind of anticipate that going in, at least from my standpoint. Like if I'm going into a situation where if I'm like going to a a party or something where I don't know a lot of people, like just kind of have that in your back pocket. Like you're going to be uncomfortable. Like you're going to feel bad and you're probably not going to feel totally 
at ease, but you can still, you can still go and you can still enjoy yourself and you can still form a connection. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're, you're, there's anything broken about you. It's, it's okay. It's just sort of like, you're just dealing with the same types of things that everybody deals with. So, cause I have a feeling that <laughs> there's a lot of people that are dealing with, um, anxiety and, and insecurity that, uh, and depression that, that don't really want to talk about it. So my question was, I know that you talked about how in your childhood, it seemed like mental health discussions, openness wasn't really there. Yeah, it was really, it was kind of a thing of like, I never really heard mental health discussed outside of the context of something being wrong with somebody. Like yeah. somebody having gone quote unquote crazy or just some was somebody who was having some issues that they were, that they were dealing with, but and we I don't want to share too much information about them. You know? Yeah. And, and I know your family obviously means a lot to you. So mm-hmm. I was wondering like, do you, do you have any plans in mind or ideas in mind or like what you want to cultivate with like your, you said with seven nieces and nephews, so like, mm-hmm. is there anything like you want to do with them to maybe create that environment that's different than what you had as a yeah. kid? Yeah. Just be open. Just kind of just make it okay to to talk about and and also just sort of in what you see around them, like the kind of mentality that you maybe see put forward by a parent or a grandparent or something like that. If there's a if there's a feeling of, um, you know, if if there's that that sense of, um, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be sad about that or you shouldn't be mad about that or anything like that. It's, it's okay to just sort of pull them aside and just kind of be like, no, it's, it's okay. It, it makes sense that that, that that made you mad. It made sense that you, you felt like not hurt there or you felt like, you know, you, you didn't exist or, you know, just like nobody really cares, you know, cause it's hard being a kid. It's really hard being a kid. Right. I remember, I remember being a kid very, very vividly. And uh, there was a lot of time where it just, you felt like the most insignificant thing in the world. And, you know, you just want to make sure that, uh, you have the, the level of openness with children to just sort of say, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. If you're, if you're feeling a little squirrely right now, or it's okay. If you're, you know, when things I've, I've said to my, my oldest nephew and he's been, you know, kind of, cause he's 15 now and he's, you know, angsty teenager a little bit, but, uh, you know, just that, that those instances where you're just sort of like, you, you know, you're, whatever it is you're going through, you, you can come through on the other side of this. It's okay. This is finite. This is something that you can, that, that you can find your way through. And, you know, if you need, if you need anything, just, just let me know or let your mom know. My, my sister is very, my sister is very engaged about mental health and, and, you know, just helping your kids deal with their emotions and, um, just trying to have that, that awareness and that, that openness about it and not having it be something that we should, you know, keep away from us. So, yeah, I think that's good because it's like, you know, it's validating their feelings and it's also like having that open conversation and, you know, and expressing to them that they have someone they can lean on for support mm-hmm. too. Because a lot of kids, especially I feel like us growing up and we're all similar ages here, like we didn't feel like we had that as much. So like, you know, we kind of want to build that with the younger generations to know like, hey, like you're going to struggle, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. And like your feelings are valid. But like, this is not how it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And you also have me to lean on for support whenever yeah. you need it. So, yeah. and so I, and I know like you being a sensitive and an empathetic person, like, I think that's awesome that they have you as a resource for someone they can go to and rely on. Yeah. And it's also great just because, you know, thinking about a podcast like this and all of the different resources that are available kind of makes it like, it, you know, more kind of culturally acceptable yeah. and less of a, and less of a taboo or, or less of a kind of, Ooh, you know, we shouldn't talk about this kind 
kind of thing. Um, to, for and you know, just thinking about a generation that'll grow up with that as the norm, really makes me feel good. Great. Yeah, I resonate with a lot of what you said because it sounds like there was some social anxiety mixed in mm-hmm. there too. Yeah, a lot. And that's that's like a lot of how my anxiety mm-hmm. materializes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember, I, I just tough. remember going to, because we were both, you know, English majors, I remember going to, you know, family gatherings and stuff like that and just really dreading it because, you know, you're going to talk to the relative who's just like, what are you majoring in? English. Oh, cool. You know, just that sense of, you know, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do with that? And then you just sort of, my, my worry would build up to the point of just sort of like, am I going to do anything? Am I just going to live with my dad until I'm 40? Like, what am I going to do? Like, just that sense of like, and that was why, you know, kind of discovering journalism and and uh, and everything that that brought with it uh, and kind of gaining some confidence and sort of realizing like, no, no, you're good. You're good. You're smart. You know, there's stuff that you can do. But don't don't worry about that. So, you know, that just but that just came with time and came with age. So, yeah. Cool. Well, we are at that time of the episode where we need to switch to gratitudes, um, which is always the hardest segment for me. I guess I am just... You're not grateful for anything. Ungrateful wench. (laughs) (laughs) I love Uh, the word wench. I'm here with English majors. (laughs) They're showing they're smart. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. This and gratitude is pretty self-explanatory. So, what what are you guys grateful for? Anybody? Just I'll go in real quick. I'm grateful yeah. for more time with Floyd. Oh, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just grateful for good health um, for my family, my friends, myself, um, especially at this moment in history. And um, yeah, just hoping that that uh, that all continues. Yeah, uh, I am grateful that my dog forces me to get out and walk. Um, because I tend to be a very sedentary person and especially just being a depresso, it kind of comes with the territory. So it's like, yes, like that her little bright eyes just, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't even say the word walk or go or like she's starting to learn any sort of cue that means I'm thinking about walking with her. So I'm, I'm held so accountable to make sure that I walk her. It's good for both of us. Yeah. Right. Um, I found this little like field where we live. It's, it, you know, it's not really a park. It's a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said on the show before that I wanted to. My mom was walking the dog with me, and I was like, "Oh, there's this really pretty cemetery," and she was like, "Oh no, I don't want to do that." <laughs> Apparently, she thought that was just too morose. Um, but no, there's, there's like an elementary school that has this little field you can walk around. Nice. Um, so that way we did that today and it was lovely. Nice. All right. Well, that's our show. Uh, thank you, Dennis, so much for coming and sharing your story. Thanks to you all for having me. All right, guys. Keep talking about your feelings. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. 
Crisis Line is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.